Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here, we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loves us and raise people up in His love. We are grateful to have you listen in. Regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. Happy Easter. It's wonderful to see you guys here in worship. Uh, it's just, I can't believe that this is our second Easter in quarantine. I know we talk about this every week, but you know what? Like these days I've been having a bit of hope. I don't know about y'all, but maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's the fact that New England weather is finally letting up. Maybe it's the vaccines. Uh, even though masses, I, I, I was in conversation with, with my mom and and um, my dad and um, actually I think vaccines are beginning to open up for people like the last group of people uh, in New York. Uh, I know in Massachusetts, it's the later part of this month, but you know, um, I went down to when um, I had to help them with like vaccination stuff and, and whatnot. And when I went down not too long ago, it was so, I, I basically stayed in my house the whole time because people were basically living like COVID didn't exist anymore because everybody had gotten vaccinated and that was so freaky to me. There's just so much anxiety that I just became a hermit. Um, and as much as it is freaky, it is giving me a bit of hope. Um, so I, I hope that we will all be united soon as well, be it in outdoor worship or whatever capacity uh, that our greater family, the the United Methodist Church will allow. Um, yeah, so happy Easter. Uh, I hope you have somebody next to you. If you have somebody next to you, say happy Easter to them. Can you? Can we just take this time right now to say happy Easter to the person next to you? If you, if you have nobody next to you while you're listening to this, then say happy Easter to your family. Text happy Easter to your friends right now. Um, let's not forget to be in community just because it's difficult. Uh, we're just gonna... I was praying through this, um, but the Lord had me pause on Romans. We're going to be looking at the last chapter of Luke instead today uh, for just for Easter Sunday, because I believe that the Lord has a word for our community. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the third book in the New Testament. Um, and this is the last chapter of Luke. So if you guys flip to John chapter one and actually just go a couple pages back, that'll probably be easier to get to. It's Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Uh, I hope, oh, also reminder while, although we hold God's word, um, very highly, but maybe during prayer or something, if you do not have your elements in front of you, um, not during the reading of scripture because that's God's holy and perfect word, but right afterwards, that would be the time to go get the elements. Make sure that you have your bread and your wine or your, you know, crackers and your water or your bread and your grape juice out before you right now. Okay. All right. We are not able to stand together as a, as a body, but we hold God's word with perfect reverence because he is perfect and he is deserving. Uh, so... Please hold all due reverence in your heart right now. If you're chewing, stop. If you're distracted, stop. Right now is the time to pay attention more than anything else. Let's um, just hold God's word with reverence. This is the word of the Lord. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. 
and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going into a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he says to them, what things? And he said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since this, these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones! and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. 
But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and feet that it is I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning from Jerusalem. You! are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Like, would you join me in praying? Abba. It's the day you rose. And in the middle of this crazy time, with death all around us and uncertainty, with anger and division, with brutality, injustice, pain and suffering everywhere of all forms, families that are broken. God, we come to the table this Easter Sunday knowing that you are still good Help us to hear you. May the victory that you have won impact our lives and change us. Help us to allow the resurrection to sink in. May it change the way we live, the way we see the world. Abba, you love us so deeply. Nothing on heaven and on earth and below can separate us from your love. But God, sometimes we turn away. Sometimes we have a hard time coming to you. Sometimes we get really distracted. Sometimes we go through seasons where we just feel so far. And yet, your resurrection, your victory, your love, your invitation, and your kindness still stands. Abba, even when we are faithless, you are faithful to us. So we come before you distracted, faithless, prone to wander. We ask God that you would be magnified in our group, in our body, in our community, our family. Lord, that it would be your word that leaves my mouth. Hide me behind your cross, that only you are magnified and only you are glorified. We love you and we give you all the glory. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. It's real simple. I'm not going to do this quite the same way that I normally do because this is obviously a different type of scripture, okay? This is a different type of scripture, obviously, so I'm not going to be doing it the same way I did Romans, but it's still it's still rough, so we're going to lock in, y'all. Y'all got to be tracking with me today, okay? Okay, so we're going to start the beginning of Luke chapter 24. What happens? There are, there are these women. Actually, if you read a little bit before, you notice the context is that Jesus has died. A man, I believe his name is Joseph. Um, I love that name, Joseph. What a, what a blessed name. Sorry. Um, so, I, yes, Joseph. He was um, able to get Jesus's body after Jesus was crucified and after he passed, uh, Joseph collected his body from the authorities and put him in his tomb, a tomb that was for his family. Uh, the stone tomb that Jesus was buried in is actually a pretty, it's a tomb for rich people. It's a tomb for heroes. It's, it's not quite like, you know, buried in the, in the ground kind of a death. It's, it's, it's a specific tomb that is built. So that's not normal. Joseph places his king in this tomb. If you can imagine collecting the dead body of Jesus after believing in him, um, and he puts him into his grave. Okay. And there are these ladies, all these women that prepare these spices. Keep in mind, it's still the Jew. It's still Jewish tradition, which means Sabbath starts Friday evening. Okay. Um, which means Jesus dies at 3 p.m. At about 6 to 7 p.m., the sun sets. So these people are doing their stinking best to collect the body from the freaking authorities, right? And getting all the spices that are necessary for burial. But they don't actually fully get to do it because there's not enough time before the Sabbath. And so at this point, if you can imagine the community of believers, their king has died. We live in a time period where Jesus has resurrected from the grave. We live in a time period where the living hope of Jesus is alive in our hearts and we have reason to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But if you can imagine, I say this all the time, if all Jesus did was get crucified, then the good news would not be the good news. So at this point, all of his disciples are now being hunted by the authorities they're locking in, they're closing themselves in every door. They're trying to hide themselves in every single place. They have people that's chasing after them and their king, the person that they put all their hope into, the person that had rewritten the covenant, the person that had said rich or poor, slave or free, everybody is loved by God. The person that had changed the whole game is dead. He's been lynched. He's been tortured and hung on a tree. His body is in shambles. His body is empty. His organs, his blood is poured out from a, a 
a part of his side. They pierced him to make sure he was dead. And his fluids came pouring out even after they had whipped him to the point of death and then suffocated him. He died of asphyxiation because his arms were dislocated. He did not die from bleeding out. The reason why between torture and crucifixion, Jesus only lasted three, six hours, even though crucifixion lasts for days, is because of all of that. His body is empty. Rigor mortem is set in. It's graying. It's cold. And they place the dead body of Jesus in the grave. And then it's freaking Sabbath. So they have to freaking wait a day doing nothing. That's good Saturday. And then at the break of dawn, because everybody here is stuck in terror, despair. If you have lost somebody that you love, you know, if you have been in danger of losing somebody that you love, you know the fear. Imagine Jesus, your worst nightmare realized. And so at the break of dawn, these women, they go weeping, trembling, breaking because Christ is dead. And they go to the tomb to do his body justice, his mangled, broken body, his dislocated arms, the holes in his hands and his feet, the barely existing back, the gaping wound in his side. To do all of that justice, they go to the tomb with their spices and wrappings. Jewish people believe that after the third day, the soul left the body. So on the third day, they go. At the earliest time possible, they go. It says in scripture, they found the stone, but did not find the body. What do you think you would be experiencing? I think rage would set in for me. I think that would be the point in my life that I would lose my brain. I would lose it. I, was lo I would go crazy. I've just witnessed the Lord of my life die. The man who forgave me of my sins, the man who healed me, the man who restored me die by torture and death. And then the first thing you, first thing you see when you get to that tomb is his body ain't there anymore. The first thing to set in is terror. The first thing to flit across somebody's mind is, who stole the body? What more do you have to do to this man who has done you no wrong? And then there are angels, random random human, random celestial beings that you have never seen before in your life, sitting on top of this ginormous stone.
two angels. Just like in the Transfiguration, just like in the Ascension, just two angels. And they say to her, they say to them, don't be afraid. It's a, it's not a, it's not a hopeful moment by this point. And then they say the craziest thing that I have heard somebody say to people that are grieving. They say, stop looking for the living among the dead. All right, y'all. I've just taken us down the emotional despair, the black hole that is the crucifixion. And then the first thing that these angels tell these humans, stop looking for the living among the dead. I'm going to pause here because I think that that's a word. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own feelings and in our own despair. We get so caught up by what we have just seen. That we look for Jesus among the dead. We look for the promises of Jesus among the lifeless. And the angels say the greatest thing that the woman could the woman could ever hear but it almost sounds like a slap to the face. Stop looking for the living among the dead. And then they explain to them how Jesus said, "Y'all are forgetting, but Jesus said that he would be crucified by sinful men and he would resurrect on the third day." He is not dead, but he has risen from the grave. There are cloths lying on the ground for the initial burying that they had done. It was, it was a, a temporary one. It wasn't the permanent one. The women were going to finish the job of making sure the burial was proper. Okay? But those linen cloths, they was on the ground. And they was not wrapped around as though, you know, they say it's in the shape of a body, but just without a body. In order to unwrap a mummy, what do you have to do? In order for me to unwrap this cord, what do I have to do? I have to take this thing off and I have to unwrap it to make it a straight line. Those cloths were in the same, they were in the same shape as a body. Like he passed out of them. I'm a strong fan of science and I'm a big proponent of molecular biology. Okay? I think that everybody, I know some people are going to be like, no, but I think that everybody should take biology at some point because it is fascinating. Okay. And it wasn't my major, but it is fascinating. Okay. It is. It's great. It's, it's something to, 
microstructures. I won't get into it. I I can't. I can't geek out right now. Um. But he passed through. It looks like the man dead passed through. Okay. So they're like, what the heck is going on here? And then scripture says they remembered what he said. What does that mean? It means that Jesus had promised what would happen. Let me put this into perspective, okay? It's as though somebody had given you every single question on a test and said, this is what's going to be on the test and these are the answers. And you're like, oh, thank you, thank you. Okay, oh my God, thank you, thank you. Saving my life right now, right? And then on the day of, you completely forget that somebody had given you that test. It happens exactly word for word, question by question, answer by answer. But you, after studying it for five days, you looking at this test like you're looking at it for the first time. Your, man, your mind has gone blank. You're like completely wiped of the memory. And then you're despairing at your grade. But then the person comes back who gave you all of that. He said, didn't I tell you that this was what was going to happen? I told you that this was what this question was going to be. I told you that this is what this, you, I gave this to you. But you were so overwhelmed by the test itself that you forgot that somebody prepared you with all the answers. See, these women, they were so stuck in their own despair at what they saw that they forgot the promise of Christ. They loved Christ, they believed in Christ, but they forgot the promises of God. You have got to hear this. They, they loved Jesus, they believed in Jesus, but they forgot the promises of God. And what happens when you forget what God has promised you? You despair. What happens when you forget the promises of God is that you lose hope. That's what happens when you forget. And they forgot. God said it was going to happen exactly the way that it happened. And these ladies, everybody, they just forgot. And then they remembered. After somebody reminded them. A celestial being that is not from this world had to remind them. And they're like, oh my God, scripture doesn't say whether or not they believe. That's very critical. That's very critical. Scripture doesn't say whether or not they believe, but they went back to the disciples. The ladies, they went back to the disciples. These faithful women, they went and told them all that they had seen. And the disciples thought it was, this is my own translation, nonsense. They, they really thought that it was nonsense.
this is a moment where we might see the proof of Jesus' resurrection can only sink into those who have faith and remember the words of Jesus. I'm saying this, you have, you have to hear what I am saying, okay? The proof of the resurrection of Jesus, the very thing in what we place, our eternal life, our hope, everything is in this, okay? Y'all can make as much money as you want. You can do whatever the hell you want. You can get, have all the success in the world that you want. You can achieve everything that you want. But your eternity, the, your life and your death, your destiny rests in this Resurrection Sunday. But the proof, the experiential encounter of the very thing that your entire worth and identity has been elevated upon, does not sink in unless you have faith, but not just faith, remembrance. If you don't remember his words, you will not be able to identify what he is doing. If you do not hold to his promises, you will not be able to fully identify what in God's name is going on. Now you might wonder, well, why didn't the disciples believe? You know, they're they're Jesus's, they're not just Jesus's, they're his best friends. They're not just his disciples, they're his best friends. Why did the disciples not believe? Even though Jesus promised this, nobody believed them, even with an angel sighting. Like, why not? Like I said before, the despair of the disciples was louder than the miracle. Hear me, okay? The despair of the disciples was louder than the miracle. And their failure to remember the promises and the words of Jesus led to despair. Like when you forget that Jesus loves you, when you forget that Jesus said he got you and you're stuck in this situation where your whole, your, all your life is dependent on this one moment. Y'all, I'm in this, for those of y'all, I'm in this moment right now, you know, just a brief testimony. Like I am in a season where God has promised me much, but I am so freaked out at the fact that I am graduating that I am literally struggling to remember the promises of God. And let me tell you, when you fail to remember the promises of God, the promise that he is with you, the promise that he has not forsaken you, the promises that he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, that he is your help, that he is your Ebenezer, your, your rock of help, that you can rest in it, you soar on wings like eagles with God. That he has called you by name and that you are his. That your life is his, your bank account is his, your parents' bank account is his, your future is his. When you forget the promises of God, it leads you to despair. So even when the miracle is happening in front of you, you will get so stuck in your lack of remembering what God has done 
that you will fail to identify the very good thing that he is doing in front of you right now, okay? When you fail, when, and that is what quarantine is. Come on, somebody. That is what quarantine is. Come on. That, that, is, actu that is actually what quarantine is. There's a time where everybody has forgotten what they have been living, what they have been stepping into, where all our normal has shifted. Do y'all even remember the last time you was able to walk out securely without a mask? Does anybody even remember? Maybe vaguely. But when we fail to remember the promises of God, it leads us to a type of despair that is blind. Then there are two men. They was just walking six miles out of Jerusalem they was just walking. Emmaus, right? That's what it said. They're sad and they're walking. All right. So y'all know what it is. You know, when you're just like, yo, did you hear what happened? Bro, what happened? You know, it's not tea, but you know, they, they're, you know, they're conferring, they're conferring, they're sharing notes, right? On what they know since Jesus died. They're processing their pain together. This risen Lord that all of them disciples did not get to see shows up in front of these two men. It says that their eyes were seized to not recognize him. You might assume that they were seized by God. I don't know. Could be the Lord. One thing is sure is that it is passive. But whether or not it is their disbelief or it is God, it's happening for a reason. So even when we can't see God, that doesn't mean that God ain't there. That is another word. Even when we can't see God, that doesn't mean that God ain't right in front of you. They could not recognize the very Lord that they served. And this stranger comes up to them. I, Jesus is a funny guy. I Y'all might not agree with me, but I think God has a real, some real dry humor. Um, he dead. He is Christ, okay? He died and he resurrected, all right? He goes up in front of these guys. He goes, what's going on? <laughs> Man's bled to death. He met, he, you, you know? He got, you know, he got holes, you know, holes. You know, he got, he's met, you know? He went through the most. He went through the most. Y'all thought you had a bad day? That's the bad day. That's a bad day. Good Friday was not a good Friday for him, right? And he was in the grave and he read, he'd done the most, literally the most that a human being has ever done, will ever do in the past three days. He goes up to these people that believe in, he goes, what happened? Okay. And they're like, 
They literally, they look, I, 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 I always chuckle when I read this. Did you not hear what has been going on? Have you literally acting like this stranger has been living under a rock? He, Jesus, right? Have you not heard what is going on these days? Like, about what? This is Jesus, all right? About what? And he's, they're like, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. They say this about him, a prophet that was mighty in word and deed, that the chief priests and rulers killed. They said, we were hoping that he would deliver us. You know, sometimes how it's easier to tell, like, it's like, I feel like it's a similar concept as therapy. Like sometimes it's easier to tell somebody that's a stranger everything than it is to, than it is to talk and process through and, and, and talk out pain with somebody that actually is going through the pain with you, right? And so to the stranger, they, they tell this man everything. And then he goes, the stranger, okay? The stranger, all right? This, this random stranger who ain't even know that Jesus died. Right? He goes, are you foolish? <laughs> Cracks me up. Man, people are, we are sheep, all right? We are sheep. Y'all might be like, oh, no, I would have counted better, but I doubt it. Um, yeah, so he dead goes, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. <laughs> Wasn't not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And so all of a sudden, from a random stranger, they receive a lot of, of encouragement, particularly in the form of what? Remembering the word of God. A retelling of everything in the scriptures, okay? How does this stranger encourage these men? Through the scriptures. It's through knowledge of the scriptures that these two disciples come to understand God's plan better. And in the life of the gathered community of believers, so they in community and they talking about scripture and there is healing and comfort that is coming for these people. And then mid conversation, they get to their destination and <laughs> I love Jesus. I, maybe it's because I love, we all love Jesus, but I love, I love this man, you know? And he, he's like, oh, oh, I'm, you know, we're, we're in the middle of talking about something, but oh, I'm so sorry, I gotta go. <laughs> and he poises, he's like, you know, I think it's my time to leave. Bye, y'all. And, and he's like, going, and he's like, waiting, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. Where are you going? You helped us. You, what? Don't you stay the night, right? And Jesus was like, <laughs> oh, don't mind if I do, right? So he stays with them. Oh, this is <sighs> you see, you see the love of Jesus in the way that he is so kind and so, you know, he meets them exactly where he, they need him for that moment. And he's about to leave. He's like waiting, you know? 
You see it, you see it in a really bad drama, like a really bad K drama, where the where the where the female character that's what I'm imagining. The female character turns around but her arm is still out there because she's about to get grabbed, <laughs> right? <laughs> By the other bad actor. Um it's like one of those, you know? He's like poisons to leave. But they catch him and they ask him to stay the night with him. Dwell. <clears throat> the word for stay is the word. I believe it is a similar word or a derivative as abide. All right. <laughs> so they ask him to stay tonight. He does. He. <sighs> this always gets me. He breaks bread with them. What that means is. Is simply that. It's simply that he begins to eat with them. He reclines at the table. He breaks the bread. And as he breaks the bread, revelation hits. Their eyes open. They recognize their Lord. And then he vanishes. They ask themselves, were our hearts not burning within us? Out of everything that brings revelation to the fact that Jesus is with them. It wasn't even, yes, the scriptures, it laid down the groundwork. That's what scriptures does. It lays down the groundwork. Don't ever stop reading God's word because it lays down the groundwork for our blind eyes to be open when they need to be because we forget. You don't got to read scriptures for God to love you. But you got to read scriptures to remember because we suck. Our hearts are prone to wander. But out of everything that makes them realize that God was with them all along, they are eating at the table together. Their discipler who came to feed them The place where we recline and dwell with Christ is a place of rest, a place of revelation, and a place of remembrance. Korean Americans like to run as though you have no days off. That's the grind. Some of us, we like to run as though we don't have any days off. But even the resurrection of Jesus is so intimately acquainted with rest and waiting on the Lord. Where the revelation of relationship comes with God is when we come to the table. When we come to God as we are, for some of y'all, that might be doubtful. For some of y'all, y'all might be in despair. For some of y'all, y'all might be apathetic. For some of y'all, y'all might be discouraged. For some of y'all, y'all might be complacent because life is good for you. For some of y'all, y'all might be guarded. 
For some of y'all, y'all might not be trusting God right now. The place. Man, you gotta hear me, okay? The place where you have got to learn. The place where you encounter God is at the table. And you abide with God. When you eat, when you allow yourself to be fed with his peace, with his hope, with his comfort, when you open your mouth to receive his provision, table is a wonderful thing for a family. It's the place where everybody shares their day. It's the place where fights are brought to the surface and reconciled. It's the place where people drink together and cry together. No matter what, the table is a place for people to face each other. When was the last time you faced God? Some of y'all be looking for revelation like, ooh, and you ain't even facing Jesus. Have you faced your resurrected Lord yet? But when you come to the table, it's a place of revelation. It is a place, not just of new revelation, but of remembrance. Remembrance is sweet. Don't just be looking for the, we live in a generation where even gospel artists have to drop an album every three months for people to stay interested. Everybody looking for the next best thing. This fast digital age. Maybe, some, maybe the reason why this generation might be some of the most unhappiest generations that the world has ever seen is because they failed to remember. Remembrance is very important. Don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget it. That powerful God that you said thank you to before, he is still that same God of power in the midst of your doubts and your insecurities and your uncertainty. That God that has kept you, that has kept you safe, that has given you a family, a house, that same God is the God of your life right now when it is more difficult to believe in his resurrection power and hope. Sometimes it's not the new revelation that brings us back to the table, it's remembrance. And most importantly, coming to the table is a place of rest. Jesus says, come to me all you, are, all you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Why? Why does Christ bring rest? Because his hope, his new life, brings a secure freedom. You can be secure. 
You might not be able to be secure in your job. You will not be able to be secure in your intelligence. You will not be able to be secure in your beauty and you will not be able to be secure in your accomplishments. But one thing that you will always be able to be secure in is the bread that he breaks with you. So we are a forgetful generation that find, tries to find security in all these things that don't got it. And in this one act where Jesus rests with his disciples, that's where they find him. And then the last thing is he appears. The disciples are afraid. He goes, <laughs> they're like literally sharing notes again. Yo, this person said they saw Jesus. They said they saw Jesus. What the, what the heck is going on right now, right? And then Jesus appears. Jesus appears before them. Pay attention. The disciples are afraid. You'll miss it. You'll miss the truth. It comes in a sentence. Why are you troubled? Because they're despairing because Mans is dead. And then Mans shows up and they are troubled. That is the human condition, okay? Even when God shows up on your front door, you might doubt him. Why is doubt rising up in your hearts? Man, I love Jesus. And he is so kind. He did the most. Let me remind y'all, he has done the most. Okay? And then on top of that, he resurrects and everybody, he literally is in front of them. And they are not able to believe him. He has walked with them. All the sound in, these, in this house has got to stop. He walked with them for three years. He told them all, it literally scripture says, I have told you all the secrets on heaven and on earth and below. He told them everything. He showed them his love. He said, I'm gonna die and resurrect BRB and he does it. And they are literally not able to process that he has done what he said he will do. I don't know if y'all relate to that. Sometimes even if Jesus shows us all the love in the world, we still might not be able to acknowledge him in our lives. 
Even though you believe in Jesus, even though Jesus has brought you this far, it might be difficult to acknowledge him in your life right now, in the middle of your despair, in the middle of your trouble. He goes, Jesus is a rational, reasonable man. Why are you troubled? And then he lets them feel him. And then he eats. <laughs> and scripture says they are still in disbelief. This chapter ends with him restoring the community of believers and then rising up. The significance of that is that Jesus himself is closing the chapter of his ministry. There's no doubt in anybody's mind. There are a ton of witnesses and believers and he has taken up to, the, to heaven in the flesh. He says in scripture right beforehand, he says, I am not a spirit. Spirits don't have flesh and bone. Touch me. As though, and that is so loving. Imagine you telling your best friends that you was gonna do something you did and your best friends didn't believe you. You'd be like, yo, the disrespect, my guy. But he doesn't shame them. He just says, here. He meets them in their doubt and gives them what they need. And he eats with them, commissions them, and goes up to the Lord. How do we apply this? I realize I did not say the title, but I'm saying it at a good time. The title of the sermon is When We Cannot Believe God's Good News. When We Cannot Believe God's Good News. How do we apply this today? First thing that we've got to remember is that failing to remember the promises of God will lead you to despair. When we are unable to see the good news in the midst of our situation, we might have forgotten what it means that Jesus resurrected from the grave. Because let me tell you something. I know Many pastors have told you this before, but I hope it hits different today. Because if Jesus can resurrect from the grave, he can cover your life. I know. I know. Y'all have heard it before. But why we live in our whole lives as though only the crucifixion happened? Who told you? To be troubled. Who told you that you was not going to make it through this year? And what about, what about being thankful? Whatever happened to being thankful? See, you might not get to see what you wanted to see in your season right now. This might be a season of setback. 
It might be the season of failure. It might be the season of confusion. But you have a roof over your head. You have family. And you have eternity. Why can't we thank God and acknowledge him now? As we remember the resurrection. And allow the power that he displayed in the resurrection to dictate the way we see our situation. With eyes of faith. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. What does it look like to look at your life and this next season that you're stepping into? This next thing that you're going to have to do with faith rather than human reason. We will miss the proof of Jesus' resurrection without remembrance. And the scriptures are the witness to Christ, okay? If you want to remember who God is in your life, and that's difficult, go back to scripture. Scripture is the witness to what God is doing. When you are confused about God, go to scripture and go to members of the community and read scripture with them. Maybe that's uncomfortable for y'all. That's why we got the discipleship initiative, right? Because that's very important for the formation of your spirit, okay? What about on the other hand? Maybe your victory is in front of you. Maybe this, you're seeing the resurrection power and it's real, but it's just too good to be true. And you cannot believe it and you cannot apply it into your situation. If that's y'all, I 100% relate to y'all. Because I, need, I needed to hear this sermon for my own self, okay? Because sometimes we don't believe the good news for ourselves. How does Christ combat disbelief with his victory. How does Christ combat disbelief with his victory? He dwells with us. He reassures us. He spends time with us. He eats with us. When was the last time you rested in the Lord? Some of y'all are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. As we grow up, the weight on our shoulders will only grow greater and greater. As you grow up, you'll learn that there are more and more things to lose. I am more afraid now than I have ever been in my entire life because there is so much hanging on my future. The livelihood of my family, the people that I love, starting a new family with the person that I love, there's so much on the line. And so I live in a lot of doubt, okay? But Christ combats our doubt with dwelling with us, with eating with us. You can bring your greatest questions to the Lord because he can handle them. He can handle your doubt. 
He can handle your insecurity. And he's probably the only person in this entire world that will love you through anything you ever do. So don't look for your identity just in people. Allow yourself to open up to God. Let the resurrection hope sink in and come to the table of communion, a place of rest, of revelation and remembrance. Let's take this time to pray. Where are you in your current season? Are you at a point where you are complacent about your relationship with the Lord? Are you guarded with your relationship with the Lord? Are you stronger or weaker in faith right now? What does it mean that Christ has resurrected. Our God is real, guys. I know for some of for some of us, we've been we've been at home so long that quarantine might not even feel real. But God is more real than quarantine. I find it crazy that we get complacent in these times while people are dying, while 500,000 people in America have died, but we still manage to be complacent. It's pretty wild. Death is literally at our doorstep and yet we still have the capacity to doubt, the capacity to forget. When I beat myself up about that, guys, when I beat myself up about the fact that my faith struggles in quarantine, God's invitation to me is to come to the table, that resurrection table, that moment where he meets my despair, my doubt, my hardened heart with his presence, with his kindness, with communion. It helps me to remember his love again. This Easter, we come to the table. Will we just pray? Will we pray out our burdens? Will we pray out our season with God right now? Wherever we are, like God, I have been far. God, I have forgotten that you died for me. God, I'm struggling right now. God, I'm not struggling right now. And I'm afraid because I don't feel as much as I other people might about you. God, I'm distracted with my life. 
But the reality of Easter still stands. So go to God. Eat with Him. Remember Him. Let's take this time to pray. Let's pray. From wherever you're listening, we hope you were blessed by this week's message. For more information, check out our website at mbkmc.com.